Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Brian Post, an online devotional uh, podcast. We are going through the book of First Corinthians, and we're in chapter seven. We're going to be looking at verses twenty-three and twenty-four today. Um, and as is my custom, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the text as soon as I take a sip of my tea here. Hope everybody had a a great night's sleep. All right, the text says this, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state he is called. First Corinthians chapter 7 verses uh, 23 to 24. Misconceptions about God viewing humanity with disdain often portray him as a harsh judge eagerly waiting for people to stumble relishing the idea of condemning them to eternal punishment in a lake of fire. Martin Luther, the German monk and theologian who played a central role in the Protestant Reformation, described his feelings and experiences as a monk in various writings. And one of his well-known quotes referring to when he was a monk is, I lost touch with Christ the Savior and Comforter, and made of him the jailer and hangman of my poor soul. In this statement, Luther reflects on how he felt a sense of spiritual despair and guilt while striving to uphold the rigorous expectations and practices of monastic life. He realized that the, uh, the religious system he was a part of had led him to view Christ as more of a harsh judge than the source of comfort and salvation. However, this perception contradicts the Bible's actual teachings. In fact, as one Bible teacher aptly put it, God does not desire anyone to go to hell. That's why he sent Jesus. This underscores God's compassionate and redemptive nature rather than a desire for condemnation. Years ago, a man purported to be a Christian comedian, once when addressing the attitude of some Christians, created a parody made up to the tune of a mighty fortress is our God. But instead of the regular words, he added the phrase, I am nothing but a worm. Step on me, God, and watch me squirm. He was trying to address some Christians' attitudes towards God and themselves humorously. The notion is that Christians are worthless scum and are of little value except for the mercy and the grace of God. However, the truth is, Jesus did not die for trash or scum. We humans designate people into those categories. But the Father... He sees a world of the lost, hurting people he loves, each being valuable enough to pay for with the blood of his son. In the first century Roman context, people believed individuals were inherently worthless and inconsequential. This perception extended to their understanding of the gods, often depicting them as harsh and unforgiving beings who took pleasure in the suffering of humanity. The prevailing attitude viewed humans as deserving punishment with God's eagerly awaiting opportunities to unleash torment upon them. Roman mythology is filled with stories illustrating this perception, portraying gods as capricious and vengeful. Consider um, <clears throat> the story of Prometheus, a titan who stole fire from the gods to help humanity. In this tale, Zeus punished Prometheus by chaining him to a rock where an eagle would daily devour his liver only for it to regenerate and repeat the cycle. Prometheus's punishment emphasizes God's cruelty and the level of suffering humans can endure at their hands. 
Zeus without mercy punished Prometheus, a titan. So this raises the question about what would Zeus do to humans if they angered him in any way. In contrast, the Christian perspective, as outlined in the passage we read, 1 Corinthians 7, and other writings starkly challenge this belief. Christianity proposed a God who valued every individual immensely. The biblical narrative, particularly exemplified through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, highlighted God's profound regard for man, for humanity, evident in his willingness to pay the ultimate price, the shedding of his own son's blood for the redemption and salvation. Despite um, some Christians popularizing the idea that God despises humanity, this belief diverges from the teachings of the Bible. While the Bible acknowledges man's inclination to rebel against God and emphasizes divine retribution for unforgiveness and ungodliness, that does not equate to disdain for mankind. The expression, purchased at a cost, signifies that believers hold inherent value to the purchaser, who in this context is Jesus Christ. Through the sacrifice of his son, God has revealed immense worth and significance he associates with everyone. This value isn't rooted in material possessions, but in the eternal worth of the believer's soul. Yes, imagine that. God actually loves you and wants to be in relationship with you. While it may be challenging us for us to fathom, Jesus' act was not based on what we could become, but on who we are. According to Paul's guidance to the early Christian community, Christ's sacrifice resulted from profound love for everyone. Even though comprehending this might propose a challenge, particularly to those who identify as followers of Christ, Jesus' death encompasses not only our sins, but also that of the entire world. Consider these passages. And he himself is the perpetuation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the whole world. That's John, 1 John, rather 2-2. The next day, Jesus, uh, John saw Jesus uh, coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's John 1.29. And this is a famous one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him should be saved. And here's another one, for there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all. And then you have, uh, we'll read one more here. It says, for the love of God compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. And that's in Second Corinthians chapter 5. These verses show how God's love for everyone with Jesus as the atonement for the world, not just believers. It shows God's love for everyone. They, they highlight God's desire for all to be saved, showcasing his grace. Calling Jesus Christ the Lamb of God, uh, who takes away the sin of the world, reveals God's plan to address sin for all humanity, showing his intent for the world's salvation. Well, what was the price? We were bought with a price. What was the price? The text mentions that we were bought with a price, but what was that price? The answer to that question is made abundantly clear too. Consider the following passages. 
Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. We see what the price is, the blood of Jesus. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as the Lamb of God without blemish and without spot. That's First Peter chapter 1. And then finally, they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and the people and every nation. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, we witness church, the church's sanctification through Jesus Christ's sacrificial death, emphasizing his bloodshed as the ultimate redemptive price. Likewise, Peter draws a parallel between the fleeting value of silver and gold and the immense measurable worth of Christ's blood, highlighting it as a means of our redemption. Revelation 5, uh, 9 vividly depicts a visionary scene where Jesus Christ symbolizes the Lamb, receives praise for his sacrificial act of shedding blood to redeem people globally, uniting them under the banner of his atonement. This passage, addressed by Paul to the Corinthian church, the one we're studying now, remains as relevant today as it was in his time. The profound truth remains that each one of us was purchased with the precious blood of Christ. This emphasizes our immense value to the Father. God's willingness to pay such a price underscores our significance to him, disproving any notion that we are insignificant in his eyes. Instead, God's profound love meets us where we are and invites us to draw near to him. Considering the following, what should our gospel message be then? We would suggest that it go like this. God knows you inside out. He sees it all. Your thoughts, your tears, and every beat of your heart. Nothing is hidden from the Creator. He sees every aspect of you, the good, the not so good, and even the not so pretty. And surprisingly, Despite knowing everything, he loves you and recognizes your immense value. <clears throat> you mean so much that Christ made a path for you to underscore, to understand rather, the Father like he understands you. This means that you can experience the riches of his kingdom in your own life. Surely, we would argue this represents the God of the Bible better than the message, repent or burn. Or, do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Romans 2.4